Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast show. Today, my very special guest is Dr. Zach Cohen. Now, he is a double board certified by the American Board of Anesthesiology and pain medicine as well as anesthesiology. So he's got a few tricks up his sleeve for his patients. And these days he's working in San Diego and he's doing a great job down there. So Zach, thanks so much for coming on today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. Very humbling to get the interview to do this and uh, looking forward to it. Okay. So let's go back in time. What brought you into this world of helping people with chronic pain? Brought me into the world of chronic pain You know, I've always, throughout my whole life, I've always been involved in some type of volunteer work or helping others. And, uh, you know, I really saw the, what I think is great about, you know, chronic pain management is that we're really able to sort of help patients and and give them their functionality back and allow them to do more and allow them to really enjoy every day more. And uh, that was made, you know, quite a big impression was made on me when I was younger seeing other physicians do that. I just always thought it was the greatest thing in the world to, you know, get that patient back up and enjoying life again. And um, I just sort of found that in pain management. Okay. So you've been trained in anesthesiology and now in pain medicine. And been how long have you been doing that job now? Uh, about three years. Okay, excellent. So in your training, you must have been seeing traditional pain management techniques, which you do yourself regularly. But then there's this awareness that you're very close to your heart, that we need to be able to get a more holistic or a more open-minded approach to help people because we're more than just machines with you know nerves that are not working at the end of the day. So tell oh, yeah. us a little bit of how that's coming about for you in your practice. Yeah, you know, I was very, very lucky where I trained at a University of California, San Diego. We had a big program that was multidisciplinary, and we had our patients see different type of practitioners from psychologists to chiropractors, physical therapy, acupuncturists. And you know, I think what we all realized there during my training and other people have trained there and the people that continue to practice there is, you know, the patient does best when you have, you know, a very multidisciplinary approach. You know, my job is primarily as an interventionist and, you know, manage medications. But when I perform injections on people or procedures, they always do better, you know, when we have multiple modalities of treatment occurring. You know, the injection does great, but if, you know, they're doing physical therapy at the same time and really strengthens core muscles and, and working on, you know, functionality, it works even better. And, you know, the patients that have concurrent depression, which is very prevalent in chronic pain, getting them into a psychologist is so important because, you know, a lot of this is, you know, the perils of, of chronic pain is it sort of takes over with this, you know, depression and oncomes disability. It can be very tough for people. You know, I think with a multidisciplinary approach, which I brought with me to my practice, 
it really helps people out. So say a patient comes to see you first day, you take a history, you examine them, you figure out what's going on, you've got a few ideas. What are you thinking or what are you doing with that patient as you move forward into the management world? That's a tough question. And it all really depends on where the patient is in their disease process. You know, have they been refractory to the basic things like, you know, chiropractic care, physical therapy, have they tried medications? You know, and again, how much is this impacting their life? You know, they've been down, you know, the street of all those, you know, conservative measures and they failed. You know, we'll try to find an interventional procedure that can really help them out and get them you know, rehabilitated and, you know, allow them to participate in a better way in those activities. You know, if a patient hasn't done that, you know, I'll usually recommend they go to physical therapy first, you know, and adjuncts and medications, you know, depending on how they feel about medications. Not opioids, but, you know, either muscle relaxants, NSAIDs, gel, medications like that. And then we go from there and really sort of progress on, progress on watching the patients, you know, therapy and how they're doing with the functionality. So really what they need first is where you start and then they go through the process. Is that how it works? Completely, yeah. You know, because if you think about it, it's almost sort of like a rehabilitation. And where do you start with that? You know, because the patients with back pain are, are doing less. So, you know, we're trying to rehabilitate them and get them more functional to go out and either, you know, play that round of golf they miss doing or, you know, be more active with their family or, you know, pick up their grandkids and stuff like that. So, you know, it all really depends on, on where the patient is at the time that we see them. Yeah. I think people listening to this today, you know, they're maybe in pain, they're maybe struggling with this pill or their doctor or this therapist. And really, at the end of the day, there's a, a variety of people out there who, who can help. And the whole general picture needs to be looked at. And I love what you mentioned about psychology as well, because as you know, and I find in my practice increasingly so, you know, the role of cognitive behavioral therapy or how your brain is working, because that is integral to the whole body experience of pain. And you know, our patients definitely need, if not a family physician with an interest, but a psychologist or a, a counselor to kind of walk that journey with them. And if, you know, if I had my way, There'll be counselors in every clinic and every family practice. It's just so, so important. I, no, no, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I think the more that, you know, the more data comes out with functional MRIs, you know, we see, you know, different parts of the brain are activated with depression. You, you know, we know it's, it's a physical thing and there's tons of great evidence based, you know, evidence-based therapies out there for, you know, psychology work and biofeedback. And, you know, the evidence is there uh, that it really does help people out. Mm. Okay. So you mentioned functional MRIs. That's an interesting statement. Are these being used in San Diego for assessing chronic pain? Not really. You know, per se, you know, I think it's more of an academic, you know, practice right now and and people that are involved in studies, you know, and I think that's a great question too about how do we evaluate pain with patients, you know, because, and that's probably one of the things that got into the opioid epidemic is, you know, what pain has such an emotional component to it. You, you know, how, how do we ask people if they're in pain? You know, one person's seven is another person's two. You know, and I think that's a big thing on why we you know, try to concentrate on function in my field. You, you know, are people doing more? Uh, that's a big thing. But sort of a long answer to a short question. So academically, very interesting functional MRI studies, but not a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and, and as far as I'm aware, MRIs don't help too much either. And it was interesting, I was listening to, I think it was Dr. Daniel Adams from Orange County, I think, and I watched a a talk that he did on his life of doing 83,000 spec scans of the brain. These are nuclear scans of the brain for 
a variety of psychiatric problems and how you can actually see the function of people's brains, whether depressed, anxious, etc. As far as I'm concerned, we should be using these all the time. And funny, even today, I phoned up a colleague of mine, a radiologist, because I had a patient who was in this situation and traumatic brain injury. And I thought, you know, interesting to see if they can get a spec scan. And he says, oh, yeah, we can do these. So um, this is the first time I've done this. So this is really uh, off the cuff. But uh, it's, it's just an intriguing area of medicine, I think, that in all the things we do, we always do tests. We always investigate. But when we come to emotional issues, and pain is part of that, is we don't have scans for that. We don't have investigations, as you mentioned. And, and it would be fantastic to see you know, that coming forth. And I don't know, if you, have you seen any studies on spec scans, these nuclear scans for psychological and, and um, pain uh, cases? You know, there's definitely regions of the brain that you know, light up more than others with depression and with chronic pain. You know, it's very interesting. I do a lot of spinal cord stimulation here in San Diego as well. You know, one of the companies Abbott has been shown to one of their wave frequencies actually affect the mesolimbic system and, and decrease depression scores. You know, through this, so it, it's really interesting. It, it's a really you know sort of brave new world out there for you know a lot of pain research that's going on as well. Okay, okay, well that's good. It's good to touch base on that kind of interesting subject. So let's go back a little bit. Um, you did mention you know we're in the era of a opioid crisis, you know, what we talked before. Sure. And, um, you know, you're involved in that in, in quite an interesting way, maybe a, quite a unique way for an anesthetist. Uh, so can you just share with the public how, how that's working out for you? It's hard, you, you know, I mean, and, you know, we were speaking a little earlier, you know, I think we're really just at the tip of the iceberg at, at the opioid epidemic and, and what's going to happen in America. You know, so many people were overprescribed. You, you know, in, in the most horrendous ways, you know, now we're, you know, really shifting this paradigm of no opioid prescribing. So, you know, we have this patient population that's just, you know, on these high, high levels of opioids, no one wants to take care of them. And, you, you know, I understand that, that, you know, the primary care doctors are, you know, very worried about you know, prescribing these medications and, you know, they want the pain physician to do it. But, you know, it's very hard for some of these patients to sort of show up on your doorstep day one. You, you know, and want these medications because they're dangerous. And you know, it's just been shown that they lead to death. So, you, you know, that's one of the big things right now is how, you know, this patient population is being cared for. And it's a really slippery slope, I think, in probably every community. Did you guys see that a bunch too? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, something I've had to go through myself as my practice has changed over the years. And I was, I have a big heart and, and want to help people with pain. Sure, um, yeah. yeah, I was uh, one of the top, or <laughs> top is the wrong word, but one of the highest prescribers of narcotics in the province, I was told. And that's because I, I bought a clinic from a patient, a, a physician who that's what it was his interest. So I find myself in the predicament of a lot of patients with high doses. And my, you know, my efforts were to try and reduce them as much as possible. And it's as yeah. tough as nails. It's, it's almost impossible unless you're cut people off and then they just run into more trouble. And it's like, there's no easy answers. No, 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 there's none. There's none. And it, it's a really slippery slope and every patient is different. And, you know, I think the sad thing is, is, you know, we've gotten to the point where you know, a lot of us, we're not even treating pain anymore. You know, we're, we're treating an, an addiction. It, you know, it's no fault of the patient. You, you know, I mean, any, any person would get addicted, you know, after being prescribed these years, uh, 
and it's just I think it's it's tough and it's hard for everyone right now. Yeah, exactly. One thing I've seen is maybe in the last ten years is as physicians get more educated about this, and then they can be more confident in themselves. Look, these patients don't need these levels, high levels of opioids, and therefore we can start to reduce them, even though there's a resistance. Because the patients are going to say, no, I don't want to do that. You know? But the, the fact is we need to do it, and we need to reduce it to, to lower levels because the science behind, the evidence behind it says we don't need that massive doses, 200 milligrams of morphine, 100 milligrams of morphine, even 50 milligrams of morphine equivalent per day. And lower amounts can, can actually go a long, long way to maintaining a level of function. And, and that's what I've been doing with the, in latter times with my patients, you know, just weaning them down and, and just buy, get them to buy into the concept and just work with them, you know, not to give up. No, 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 no I, I do. And I think that's one of, you know, the favorite parts of my job is, you know, when I have a patient that comes in and, and they sort of buy into the therapeutic treatment that we want to give them and we work with them and, you know, we get to know the patient and we see them wean down off these opioids you know, while getting, you know, pain reliefs, you know, through multiple different modalities, myself as primary interventionalist, you know, these patients, they get so much happier, you know, I mean, it's like they get their lives back almost, you know, they don't realize, you know, all, you know, even the depressive side effects these medications were having on them. And that's not even getting patients off the opioids, and that's just reducing them to better levels. It's a pretty great thing, I think, to be able to, to give someone is, you know, get them off those pain, those pain medications. Yeah, and I think that's a big take home for anybody listening to this who maybe got family members, and it's like you actually do get your life back. Completely, you know, and it's not just opioids. So, you know, I have a lot of patients that are on, you know, tricyclic antidepressants, and they don't like how it makes them foggy or neurotic or lyrica, you know, and, and they'd rather have an interventional, you know, procedure and, and deal with it that way because you know, they don't like feeling sluggish from this stuff. They don't like the weight gain, you know. So, so a lot of these medications do have side effects to people. And, uh, you know, it's not just the opioids, too. Mm -hmm. And just let's go back to your day job and your interventional role. What is happening to your patients who are seeing, say, a psychologist or a counselor? And, you know, they're getting their mental health a bit better. And then there's maybe seeing you. What what are kind of the changes and the differences in that state versus this highly strung, anxious patient coming in for their interventional injection or their block in their back? You know, uh, that's a great question. You know, when I tell patients, you know, about procedures, you know, I never say we're going to relieve 100% of their pain. You know, it's very, you know, I always say, you know, if we can get it down 60, 70%, and if it's better, that's great. You know, the patients that, you know, are able to see the psychologists and, and work with other types of practitioners, I think they're a little bit more satisfied even with lower, you know, pain reduction. You know, I, you know, I mean, for example, if they were to get 60%, you know, pain reduction from an injection, they'd be very happy and, you know, they're enjoying it versus, you know, a patient who got 90% and isn't, you know, I think a lot of the, the biofeedback and, you know, the mindfulness really helps people approach living with pain, you know, in a different manner. So there is a big difference in the patient population that goes out and is able to have multiple types of therapies, I think. Exactly. Okay. Is there any final um, comments you would like to make about what you're seeing is, you know, in your role as a, pain doctor and that would help our audience today? You know, I, I think the, the field of interventional pain medicine is really progressing at a fast speed and, and really doing wonders for people. And, you know, I think right now, um, you know, we're almost sort of feeling the role as the 
interventional cardiologist does for you know the cardiothoracic surgeon, you know, but we do it for the spine surgeon. And I think as this field sort of evolves with more and more evidence-based approaches, it's just really becoming that better of a field and you know helping that many more people out. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea. Okay, great. Give us some, you know, resources or a website or you know your where you're working so people can check out what you're talking about and what you actually do. Cause I know you, you guys got a unique service down there in San Diego. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they can look me up at neurocenter.com. They can find more information about me and, and contact me through, through that website, through the office. And uh, they can listen to this great podcast as many times as they want to. Uh, <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, yeah. That's the best place to find out about me is just neurocenter.com under the our doctors page. And then uh, I talk a little bit around Southern California. But yeah, that's pretty much it. And just yeah. here's one interesting question just came to mind. What's some advice you would give to the patients out there struggling with pain that, you know, maybe just encourage them in their journey with their, their situation? Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that want to help them. And uh, finding those resources can be, you know, the, the hardest part of the journey. But, but I think pain recovery is a worthwhile journey and they shouldn't give up and, you know, just keep on looking for resources. And whether it be social groups or, you know, going to find a pain doctor or psychologist or asking your internist to speak to, you know, a well-reputable pain doctor in the community. Uh, there's definitely a lot of help out there. And there's a lot of people that want to help patients out. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you, Zach, for coming on today. It's been great, thank to, you, great to talk. Yeah. And um, have a chit-chat about what we do as a day job and moving forward in this world of medicine and making a difference. So, again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. No, no, thank you for having me. This is a great experience, and I hope to come back one day and talk to you more, learn, learn more about some of the things that you're doing, too. Okay, you can interview me. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks so much. Thank you. 